If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. I want to talk to you uh, tonight just a little bit. Well, actually a little bit longer than just a little bit. But on just a simple subject of love. Now, when you say that just up front, you t- it's just a four-letter word, love, L-O-V-E. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing. It's a good subject to talk about. But there's sometimes, Sister Mary, that can be a hard thing to talk about. It's a hard thing for us to understand, a hard thing for us to receive. Really, when we look at it from the biblical standpoint. But I thought tonight would be a good time to do that since you've all filled out these sheets. And we are laying our life on the altar. It may be easier for you to handle it tonight, I guess. And uh, we appreciate you doing that and appreciate what the Lord is going to be doing uh, through our commitment to Him this morning. Priority of love. Look at Mark chapter 12. Very familiar scripture, verse 28. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? This is what Jesus said. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. The second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I want to stop right there just a little bit. I want that to soak in just a little bit. You've got to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, strength, all of those things. And the second is this. You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is speaking here. Red letter. His words. And he says, Brother Adam, there is no other commandment greater than these two right here. That's a mouthful when you think about it. It really is. It's a mouthful. And so the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You've spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one neighbor, one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Jesus, now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared ask him anything. No one dared ask him a question. Probably, probably one of the greatest failures of God's people is in the area of priorities. We're bad at priorities and setting priorities. Matter of fact, this is the time of year that we set those New Year's resolutions. I'm not going to ask you how many of you have set a New Year's resolution, but I am going to ask you this. How many has broken a New Year's resolution before? <laughs> I figured I'd get more hands with that. Every one of us probably have broken a New Year's resolution before. So we're, we're bad in the area of setting, setting priorities. Over the next couple of weeks, I want to preach really on this subject right here. And uh, we're going to look at love. We're going to look at some worship things. We're going to look at some service as we get ready to enter this, uh, enter this 2016. But we want to talk tonight about, about the priority of love. We'll give you a story before I start. There's a, there was a man who had an 8th grade education. 
But this man desired to be a soul winner for Christ. That's, that was his desire. He wanted to win souls for Christ. And so God had laid this brilliant attorney on his, on his heart. Obeying the Lord, he went to talk to the lawyer about Jesus Christ. But no sooner than he begun, when the attorney used his legal training, when the attorney used his brilliant mind, his, his way with words, all of that, to just, to just to turn the man inside out. The man finally apologized before coming and taking the time of the attorney. He left with tears in his eyes, but before he left, he turned to the lawyer and he said this, I just want you to know one thing. I only came here because I love you. And he turned around and he left. He went home. He felt dejected. He felt to turned aside. He felt turned away. Uh, he, he said, I, I don't, I don't want to be bothered. He got home and told his wife, said, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to, be, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to talk to nobody else the rest of the day. I just want to go to my room. I want to be left alone, and I feel such like a failure, he said. About an hour later, the lawyer came and knocked on the man's door. He told the man's wife that he would like to see her husband, and she said, I'm sorry, but he's not seeing anyone today. He said, uh, he said, uh, he said I understand. He said, I think he will see me if you'll tell him who, who I am. So the husband allowed the attorney to come into his room, and he said, why have you came to see me? Why have you come? You probably have come to make fun of me again. Have you come to argue with me again? You, you know I cannot argue with you. You know I don't have the words like you have. And the lawyer said, no, I've not come to argue with you. I've come to ask you to tell me how to be saved. The man replied, he said, I don't understand. He said, what changed your mind? He said, every time I went to your office, every time that I tried to tell you about Jesus, you came up with an argument that I could not answer. The lawyer said, yes, I did, but you came up with an argument that I could not give an answer to. The soul winner, that man that wanted to be a soul winner, looked at him and said, what are you talking about? What, what was the argument that, that you mean? The lawyer said, when you looked at me and you told me that, I, that you loved me, he said, I could not argue that point. I couldn't argue. And the Lord touched this man, touched this lawyer, and he came to give his heart to the, love, to the Lord. Here's the point. Love can do amazing things. It really can. Love can do amazing things. Love in, in, in the Christian walk is essential. Love is essential in the life of a child. It's essential in the life of a child of God. Matter of fact, when you go to 1 Corinthians 13, we, we talk about that scripture all the time. I want to read it to you, but I want, us, I want, us, I want really to, to get it down to where we are. I want, you, I, want, I want you really to think about this. The Bible says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Now, that's, that's some pretty good speaking there. It really is. I don't know that I could speak with the tongues of men and angels. I sort of feel like this guy with an eighth grade education. I might could get by, but I'm not sure, Sister Pam, if I could speak with the tongues of men and angels. Some of the brilliance of the minds that we have in our society. But if I can speak with the tongues of men and angels, then I have not love or charity. I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but if I do not have love, if I don't have love, I am nothing. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I can tell you, I don't like burning. During Christmas holiday, Karen can tell you, my two fingers right here, I was making some caramel chocolate-covered pecans. 
I put the caramel in the microwave and I got it a little bit too hot, Brother Cup. And I reached up there to get that caramel and I touched it accidentally. That caramel latched on to my two fingers. I got a napkin. I tried to wipe it off and it got stuck to the napkin. I could not get the caramel off my fingers. And right in here is still hurting today because it burnt so deep within my little finger. Now you say, oh, Pastor, you're just a weenie. Suck it up. Well, maybe I am, but it still hurt, and it blistered up. But look here, but if I give my body to be burned and I have not love, it profiteth, profiteth, let me get this word out, profiteth, is that how you say that? It profits nothing. It doesn't profit me anything. When you look at the Old Testament, Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus and Deuteronomy and, and all of them, there's 613 laws. When you look in that scripture that was given to man, there are some that instruct man to do certain things as well as some that forbid us to do certain things and certain actions. These laws form the heart of the Jewish belief and the driving force with the scribes and the Pharisees. That's how they built all their laws upon these, upon these scripture. They could spend a great deal of their time debating law after law and seeking to identify who is the greatest among them. Go back and look. But Jesus says, and he takes this entire law. This is fascinating to me. He takes the entire law of Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and he sums it up with one little word, love. All of these commandments hang on these two things right here. All of the law. All of the law. All of the things that you've learned. All of the things that the scribes and the Pharisees debated day in and day out, Brother Reigns. All the law that built up the Israelites, the scribes, the, all of those things hang on these two commandments. In verse, in, in verse 13 of this chapter, we find that Jesus is among a, a, a group uh, that is trying to deceive him, in other words. And they try to trip up the Lord. In verse 13, they, they send him a certain of the Pharisees, the Bible says, and the Herodians to catch him in his words. You can go back in that chapter and you can look at that. In verse 13 and 17, the Pharisees ask about giving money to Caesar. In verses 18 through 27, then the Sadducees, who didn't believe in the resurrection in the first place, ask him about the resurrection. Then one of the scribes come up on verse 28 and, and said, Having heard them reasoning together, the Bible says, and perceived that he had answered them well, ask him, Lord, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus says, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord your God with all of thy heart, with all thy soul, with all of thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Jesus answers the question, Which is the first commandment of all? Here's the first one right here. And by inserting that man must love God above everything else in the world, it sums up who we are today. Jesus is actually quoting what they call the Shema out of Deuteronomy chapter four, 6, verse 4, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 5 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. He's just going back to what these scribes and Pharisees ought to, knew, ought to know in the first place. They knew it. They've been, that, that's things that they've been studying. Those are the things that they they've been debating all the time. They knew that scripture in Deuteronomy. They understood that scripture right there. 
The Jews would quote this prayer every day in their prayers. They would say, you've got to love the Lord. You've got to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words, I commanded you. They quoted him. It was just a personal reminder that there is no other God but Jehovah. You and I, we've got to make certain that God occupies the first place in our hearts, right? Remember this morning, we, we wrote our names down on this blank piece of paper, which we left it blank. Because we're not going to fill in the blanks, God's going to fill in the blank. We're going to, we're going to give him opportunity to, to write our story, so to speak, in 2016. And so in other words, we are giving our allegiance to him. We're paying our respects. We're giving our love to the Lord. We've got to make certain that he occupies the first place instead of any other thing, no matter what it is, in our life. Most Christians today... Will will actually say that God is first, and, and and then they place other things and people in front of Him many times. I want you to notice there's several several areas that that we just got through reading according to the Scripture that of some areas that we need to place God first in our life. The first thing the Bible says is we got to give Him all of our heart. We got to give Him all of our heart, and basically Jesus is saying that we've got to love the Lord without pretense. We've got to love Him without pretense. Our love for Christ needs to be authentic. Y'all understand what the word authentic means. It's real. Nobody, at least I don't think, you may, nobody likes a fake individual. You understand? You've, I've met some fake folk before. How about you? There's some fakeness to us at times. That we come and we worship God through our actions. We lift up the holy hands and we, and we say the right words, but in our heart we're not, we're not worshiping Him. We, and we're being fake with that. We've got to be authentic. This is a love that goes beyond words and is seen in our actions as well. What if you told your spouse that you loved them and then ignored them, never spent time with them, didn't grow close to them? When we truly love God and put Him first, it will be seen in everything that we do. Everything that we do. I had the privilege, had the, privilege the other day to, to preach Brother Jeff's mom's funeral, going away, celebration. I didn't know this lady, but everybody that I talked to told me what a wonderful Christian lady this was. As a matter of fact, when we, after the viewing that night, I felt like I knew her. She was 66 years old, and everybody that she, that she come in contact with, she touched in some way or another. She touched in some way and let me know that she understood what real love was. She put herself aside, in other words, to take care of everybody else that come in her midst. That's the kind of lady that she was. And you could even, even see the presence of God on her. And then I thought, Pastor, that's crazy. You know, she's passed on. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. It was there. You could see the love. You could see the, the, the comfort. You could see all. And it makes preaching a funeral so much easier when you know somebody where they are, Brother Jeff, doesn't it? I, I know that they're going to grieve for their mama, but it makes knowing where they are and who they were so much more easier. And that's what the Lord is trying to tell us here. You've got to love me with all of your heart. The other thing the scripture says, you've got to love him with all of your soul. With all of your soul. Jesus is referring here to our emotions. Everybody is emotional here today. You can watch movies, Lifetime movies or Hallmark movies, and you can cry. How many ever done that before? I have. Brother Pastor, you're, you're a weenie. That's all right. I'll cry at him. And if you guys, some of you guys will be big and bold and bad enough to confess it, you do too. You just ain't going to be bad enough like I am. To confess it. There you go. 
But we'll sit there and we'll watch these, these movies and it touches us. It touches to the core and our emotions is stirred. And the Lord said, you've got to love me with all of your soul. We're not to love God in a nonchalant manner. We don't, we're not to love God that way. But we are to be emotional in our love for Him. Let me get on football again. Some of y'all, you went and you cheered on the hogs yesterday. And man, I'd have done the same thing. I'd yell and scream and all that kind of stuff because your emotions with those things. You can go to ball games and your emotions run high, especially when you're losing. And especially when the refs doesn't call the right plays. And especially when they don't make the right calls and all those kind of things. I was watching a game last night. I don't even remember who it was. This, I think it was TCU. TCU, anybody watch that game? They, got down, they could have won that game, Charles. That was the dumbest call that a coach ever done. They had a good running game going. All he had to do was give that ball to that running back. He would have made it in, and instead they passed the stupid thing. And they went into overtime. I, don't, I, I turned it. I don't even know if they won. Did they win? They did? Well, God bless them. But they had to go overtime. They had to go overtime. But they didn't have to do that. They could have won it with that play, but stupid, stupid. But our love for God... Got to love him with our whole soul, with our soul, our emotions. And, 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 but sometimes we'll do that outside, but when we come into the God's house, we shut up, we clam up, and, and we feel like that we can't worship God with our emotions. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Now, I don't know how you guys feel about this or not, but I was watching a video the other day, and it was the, the title of this panel was A Praise Break for Jesus. And they had all these young people on the stage and these older people on the stage, and they was just doing they was, they was had this playing this this fast music, this dance music, I guess. And they was just cutting a rug, and they was at all kind of folk on it. And I know to look at that, some would say, well, that's just emotional. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. But they done it through their worship to him. Are you following me? And so it's okay for us to be emotional when it comes to worshiping Christ. Amen. I promise you, if you hit your finger with a hammer, you are emotional. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you stump your little toe, you are emotional. Yes. If you reach up in the microwave and grab caramel that's too hot, you become emotional. I, I was emotional. Oh, God. It's at those moments that you just pray you don't say th- something that you don't need to say. Is that all right? Let's just, let's just be real and be human. All right? But we've got to love God with our soul. The other thing is this. Matter of fact, you remember in the scripture where on the road of Emmaus, when Jesus was walking with the two guys, and the guy says... Did not our hearts burn within us? Isn't that amazing? They didn't know who Jesus was. Their eyes was blind. They was confused with all the things that was going on at that time. But as they walked with him, their hearts burned within them because there he was in the midst of them. Third thing is this. We've got to love the Lord our God with all of our mind. Everybody say mind. The mind, you already know this, but the mind is the battlefield of the enemy. It's the battlefield of the enemy. Our love for God is not a mindless love. We've got to use our mind to love Him. We're to love the Lord because we have considered Him. We've meditated on Him. We've meditated on His greatness. We, 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 we've got to make a conscious choice to love the Lord our God. 
It's a conscious choice. We shouldn't love God because we were, we were because somebody else is doing it. We don't need to love God because he may have blessed us in this one area and didn't bless us in another. No, that's not why we love God. We love God because of what he'd done for us on the cross of Calvary. The grace and the mercy of Almighty God. We love him with all of our mind. Our thoughts needs to always be centered upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You ought to be able to worship God in church. You ought to be able to worship God in the car. You ought to be able to worship God on the job. You ought to be able to worship God in the deer stand. You ought to be able to worship God when you cast that reel, you catch that big fish. I know somebody's going to be worshiping then. We worship God with all of our mind. Other thing the scripture says is we love the Lord our God with all of our strength. With all of our strength. Now this one gets to me a little bit. And I'm going to be a little, go down a rabbit track here a little bit if, if I can. I don't want you to get upset with me. But the Bible says we love the Lord our God with all of our strength. Oh, pastor, I'm just too tired to go to church. Pastor, I'm too tired to come out to work day. Maybe in six months when you have another one, I'll do that. I'm, I'm just war slap out. I worked all day long. Well, who hadn't? Are you following me? I've got so many things on my plate. Well, who doesn't? You just don't understand everything that I'm going through. I may not. Apparently you don't either. We love the Lord your God with all of our strength. It refers to the fact that this love is not only in words but in action as well. In action as well. In actions of our physical body. We've got to love the Lord with every ounce of our being. Hmm. Every fiber within us. We love the Lord our God. We love the Lord our God. We love the Lord our God when we're rested. We love the Lord our God when we're wore out. We love the Lord our God when we're tired. We love the Lord our God. It doesn't matter. We love Him regardless. Now, don't, don't run out there too far from me. I know we get tired. I know that the Lord expects us to rest. I get that. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. But some of these excuses that we use many times, you know as well as I know, is flimsy. Let's just be honest. But if, we are gonna, if we're going to lay our life down on the, on the sacrificial table, if we're going to give our life to God, we're going to give our life to God. My Bible tells me, Brother Eugene, that, that when he prayed in the garden, the stress and the weight of the sin of the world became so heavy upon him that his sweat became as great drops of blood. In agony for you, that tells me that he'd done overtime. He worked overtime for my salvation. He accomplished everything on my behalf and your behalf so that we could be here tonight in worshiping Him. Amen. And so we love the Lord our God with all of our strength. If we truly love Him, He will have prominence in every area of our life. When you talk about the true love of Christ for Christ, it manifests itself in every area of our life. Listen to me, folk. In every area of our life, it will manifest itself. Every area of our life, it manifests itself. The love of Christ. 
his people, in his word, in his house, in his work, in his world, in his commandments, in his worship, everything that we do. And that right there, that gets me sometimes. And I have to ask forgiveness, Sister Pat, because of that right there. Because sometimes I fail him, and I'm not using my strength or my energy like I need to to give him all the honor and all the praise. Sometimes the things that I'm required to do, I don't give it 100% because I say, well, I'm tired, I, 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 I'm justifying because I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done this wedding, I've done this funeral, and I've done, I need a rest. And I get it, I may need one. But it doesn't, and it shouldn't interfere in my priority of my love relationship with the Master. Are you hearing me? Nothing ought to, ought to interfere with that. Verse 31, the Lord says this. The second is this, talking about, the, talking about the commandment. You'll need to love the Lord. You'll need to love thy neighbor as thyself. There is no other commandment greater than these. No other commandment. These two commandments right here the Scripture talks about are intertwined, and you cannot have one without the other. Understand that. Can't have one without the other. The second part of his answer, Jesus quotes Leviticus 19 and 18, where it says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against thy, the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. This is where it gets hard sometimes. This is where it gets tough for us. It's it hard. Because we may have had people in the past that have treated us bad. We may have had people in the past that really rubs us the wrong way and was out to get us, so to speak. It may have been a true thing. But that doesn't give you or I right to hate them. I don't have to like them, but I better love them. Do you understand the two, the difference in the two? I don't have to like what they do. I don't have to like what they say. I don't have to like how they treat me. But I need and I have to love them. Jesus loved them. If he loves them, I've got to love them. Somehow or another, I've got to get past me. And I've got I've to love them. I've got to love them. This is, that's a very simple statement in Leviticus. But Jesus says that we are to love others the same way that we love ourselves. We are to place others, in other words, in such a position that we are constantly looking out for their best interest. we got to love them. Philippians 2 and 3 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Well, that's hard. Value others above yourself. Value others. Treat others, in other words, better than you treat yourself. Love those out there better than you love yourself. We got to, now, we, we, we have to admit that we do love ourselves. We do love ourselves. We go to great lengths to provide ourselves with all the things that we need. We eat so that we don't starve. We drink so that we don't die of thirst. We go to the doctor when things are wrong. We make sure that we're taken care of. And there's nothing wrong with loving ourselves. Nothing wrong with that at all. But we must love our neighbor in the same way. Who is, Pastor, my neighbor? Is it the person that lives next door? 
Is it Brother and Sister Allen that lives next door to me and, and, and Peggy and, and V.R. Mead that lives on one side? That's, yeah, that's my neighbor, but that's not what the Scripture's talking about. Whoever you come across is your neighbor. Whoever you come across is your neighbor. Some of you remember several months ago, Brother, Brother Cup brought the, uh, was it his little feet? Is that the name of it? His little feet, the little, the little kids come in. And some of you, like I, uh, sponsored a child. And some of you may, may still be doing that. I sponsored a little guy by the name of Donaldo from Honduras. And, and since then, me and old Donaldo, I don't even know how old this, this guy, he's 11, 12 years old, we've been talking, we've been corresponding through, through writing one another letters. It's the neatest thing. He'll write me a letter, and he'll say, I, I hope that you're doing well, and I pray for you and your family every day, and, and whatever's going on, like this, this, past letter, this past letter I got was, I hope you had a good Christmas and things like that, and, and it's our rainy season, and we're getting ready to take a break from school, and just little simple things like that, and I'll, I'll take that letter, and I'll go back and I'll pull up the computer and pull up my, my account number and I'll write Donaldo and I'll tell him everything about me and I'll give, I'll give him a picture of me and he knows what I look like, he knows what Karen looks like, he knows what Abby looks like, he knows what Adam looks like and he really knows what my granddaughter looks like. Man, I just upload pictures to him and I just send them his way. It's the neatest thing. It's the neatest thing but, but he's talking about here, can you value others? I don't even know him or his family so to speak. But I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, 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 I'm beginning, Sister Ruth, to, to sort of treat him sort of like a son, in other words. Because of the correspondence, because we've took time to write to one another and, and, and ask questions about one another. That's what the Scripture is talking about. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain deceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. He'll write little things. Thank you for sending this gift. Thank you for helping me and my family. Thank you for this and thank you for that. Now we love ourselves, as we've said. We take care of ourselves, but we've got to seek the help to, to help and to care for others as well as we do for ourselves. In 16th century, uh, 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 Oliver Cromwell ordered a, that a soldier be shot for his crimes. And at the ringing, he, he's going he's to be shot for his crimes at the ringing of the evening bell. But at, night, at that night, that, that, that particular hour that the bell was supposed to ring, no sound came from the bell. But, and so they went to find out why, why did the bell not ring. And what they found was there was a girl there. And this girl was to be married to this condemned man that was going to be shot. And so this girl had climbed up the tower and, had, and grabbed a hold of this, 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 uh, this clapper that would prevented the bell from striking. And she was the one that went against the side instead of this, instead of this clapper. And she was the one that took the beating, so to speak, when that thing went to, to strike. And she was the one. And so they brought her. But when they got her to, to Oliver Cromwell, she only whipped and she showed him her bruised and her bleeding hands. And he was so impressed. History says, he was so impressed with her, it says, your lover is alive because of your sacrifice. He will not be shot tonight because of her love for this guy. See, love manifests itself when we exhibit forgiveness. Love will manifest itself when we exhibit peace or, or, or humility to one another or, and unity and compassion for other people. It will exhibit those things. But we know, I, I, I know that it's hard for us to understand that and do that at times. 
because of those things that's been done. But when you look in John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus himself talked about that. He said, greater love has no one than this, that to lay down one's life for their friends. Greater love hath no man than this. In 1 John 4 and 20, there's a contrast this type of love. It says in 1 John 4, it says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? It's a powerful scripture. And it really doesn't, when you think about that, it doesn't get any clearer than that. It's very clear when we look at those scriptures. And if you say that you're a Christian and you have hate in your heart, would it be fair to say then, Brother Adam, that you're a liar? Would that be fair to say? That's strong, but that's what the Word says. If I say that I'm a Christian, but I have hate in my heart, then I'm a liar. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. It's impossible for us to do both. C.S. Lewis, some of you have, 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 uh, have uh, uh, read some of his writings, but, but mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, he said this. He said, do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. He says, act. As if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as you love someone, you will presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking him more and more. But if you do good, if you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. That's, that's true. I think sometimes way back yonder when mamas and daddies put put uh, uh, boys and girls together as far as married, marriage thing. They had a term for that, you know, the betrothal or whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't them that picked, it was mom and daddy that picked. I, you're going to marry my daughter and you're going to marry my son and all those kind of things, right? They must have used that right there. They, that's the only thing I, I could figure out. But, at, but, it, but in time, they begin to love one another. They begin to grow together. They begin to value each other and, and what each other had to bring to the table. The scripture says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love thy neighbor as thyself. There's, there's three or four Greek words when you talk about love. One of them is eros. And, you, and some of you already know these, these terms. Eros refers to erotic or a sexual love. This Greek term, it wouldn't fit in this what situation what I'm talking about concerning loving your neighbor because if, if that's the case, you're either headed for divorce or death, one or the other. So that's not a good one. There's another Greek word that, call, that says phileo. It's a Greek word that, that talks about a tender affection for somebody. Now, this sounds pretty good, but it leaves room for us to put conditions on this love. This, this word phileo, love, we can love somebody for a while, but if they mess up, we ain't going to love them no more. It puts conditions on that. Let me stop right here and say this. That's what our world is involved in right now. That's what our relationships are involved in right now. That's what our marriages is involved in right now because we'll marry you if you treat me okay. But if you mess up, we leave and you'll hide. I'm going to marry you if you take care of me. But if you don't take care of me, then I'm gone. I'll find somebody else who wants me even more than you. We put conditions on these things. But the word that we're talking about is a word called agape. Agape love. It refers to a never-ending, unchanging, all-consuming love for somebody. All-consuming love for somebody. Agape love is not the kind of feeling that appears for a little while and then changes. Hello. 
Agape love is forever. It's a love that loves without regard for the worth of an object being love. It doesn't matter. I'm going to love you anyway. It's more than, than simple affection. It's more than some emotional feeling. It's a decision of the will. I don't care what Karen does. I'm going to love her. Are you, are you following me? I'm going to give her the agape kind of love that the Lord told me to and to love him with. No, it doesn't matter. I'm going to love. We have to choose to do that. One verse that illustrates this is agape love is Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where it says, But God commendeth his love toward us. He's talking about you now. But God commendeth his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, <laughs> Christ died for us. While we were still dead in our sin, he died anyway for us. While, Sister Dan, I was messing up royally, he died for me anyway. While I messed up and I messed my family up and I messed my, my life up, <coughs> all these things, he still died for me because of his love for me. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to see your church grow? Do you want to see you grow? Do you want to see your family grow? Then love people enough to invite them when they come in the doors. Love people enough that where you're around to invite them to come. Some will actually come. There'll be others that, that'll be like this lawyer at first. They may laugh in your face. But they can't argue to the point that I love you. They can't argue that point. We've got to show them love. People are longing to feel love. They're longing to feel love. We must love them with the love of Christ. And I can tell you, a lot of times this, this happens. It, it, sh it sort of shocks you a little bit how people respond to those things. I told you last week, I think it was, that when we was doing a wedding in here a few weeks ago, there was a man that came in, and, uh, and he was helping with the wedding, and he stopped me in the gym. He said, Pastor, can I, can I get you just to pray with me? I said, sure, I, I don't mind praying with you. And he come up here, and I, and, I, and I talked to him a little bit about a prayer cloth because he was getting prayer for his mama, and she was sick. And, and before I knew it, Sister Jeanette, he had knelt down on his knees, and, I, and that shocked me a little bit. I, I wasn't ready for that. Maybe I should have been, but I wasn't ready for it. I thought, well, I guess I'll get down there with him. I'm just going to stand up, you know, do the easy prayer. Because it's easier to get down than it is to get up. How many of y'all know that? Okay, just checking. And I wasn't wanting to get down. But he knelt down and he prayed and he got up and he said, I know I'm not a member here, I know I, I, but I just, I just felt like I wanted you to pray because I feel the love in this church. So it, it sort of shocks you sometimes. But we've got to love them anyway. People are longing to feel love. We've got to love them with the love of Christ. When you think about the commandments that the Lord, uh, the Lord gave us, uh, sometimes we need to chew on these a little bit, but I want you to look, look at what Jesus said in Matthew 22 and 37. Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love the Lord thyself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets that we've said earlier. On these two commandments hang all the law. What are you talking about, Pastor? If we love the Lord as we should, we are not sin. We will not sin against Him. We will not sin against Him. If we love our neighbor as we should, we will not offend them. Uh-oh. We will not offend them. When we love in the manner Jesus described and He talked to us, then we will treat everybody how they ought to be treated the way that we would want to be treated. It is natural to love those who love us, but it is supernatural to love those who don't love us. You ever thought about that? 
If you ever wanted to be a supernatural hero, now's your chance. You can love them supernaturally. Put, get your T-shirt on and with a big S and just tear your clothes off and say, Whoo, I'm supernaturally loving you through the love of Christ. Amen. You can do that. You can do it. Lord told us we could. Jesus tell us that we can always be assured that we will do the right thing by God and by our fellow man if we love the Lord supremely. Jesus told us that if you, keep, if you love me, then keep my commandments. Right? If you love me, keep my commandments. What, what, what is he talking about? You shall have no other gods before thee. We talk in those terms and maybe we think that it's God. You shall have no other gods before thee. That's how the movies put it out, right? But really think about it. You shall have no other god. That's the commandment that God set forth. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is water. Don't make any carved image and don't worship that carved image. Hello. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Well, he got quiet that time. You shall remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father. Honor your father. And honor your mama. And all the young people says. <laughs> and all the dads and moms says. Woo. <laughs> Honor your father and honor your mother. Here's another one. You shall not murder. You shall not. This goes against our time in our culture today. But you shall not commit adultery. Hello. Is that all right to talk about the house of God? You shall not commit adultery. Don't steal. Can't stand a theft. A thievery. A thief. Th Y'all understand what I'm talking about. I don't like them. Gotta love them, but I don't like them. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Boy, that's, we don't talk about that one a lot. But boy, I'm telling you, it's prevalent today in our country. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Verse 10, verse, verse uh, or number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. <laughs> don't, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't covet your neighbor's car. Don't covet nothing your neighbor got. Don't covet his male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that your neighbor, just don't covet that. It's got a lot of us in trouble in our, in our world today. But the scripture says if we love the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, th here's, here's the thing. If we, if we love him, then we will not have any other gods before us. We will not create any idols. We will not take his name in vain. We will remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We will honor our father and mother. Likewise, here, here, here's, the, here's the second part. Likewise, if we love our neighbor, we will not murder them. We, we won't kill them. I don't care if they get on our nerves. We won't kill them. <laughs> if we love our neighbor, we will not commit adultery with their spouse. If we love our neighbors ourselves, we may give them a little sugar on the jaw, but we won't commit adultery. That's just the inside thing with me and Wendell. <laughs> 
if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we will not steal from them. If we love our neighbors ourselves, we will not lie against them or covet what they have. So the question I have for you tonight in closing is, how is your love today? Where does it rate on a scale of 0 to 10? Where, where, where do you fall in that love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? If you seek to live a life that pleases God in this new year, hear me, if you, if you don't hear nothing else, if you seek to live a life that pleases God in this new year, then love must be a priority. It has to be a priority. It has to be a priority. For without love, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Does it matter? Don't tell me that you love me from your face with your mouth and, you, and your actions says differently. I don't need it. I don't need it. To be honest with you, I don't need your friendship if that's the case. Is that okay? Don't be fake with me. I don't need to be fake with you. But we need to learn to love one another in spite of our differences even, in spite of our, our you know, disagreements maybe. We still need to find a place in our life to still love one another. Now sometimes I know we have to go a long way in order to do that. We have to go around a big mountain sometimes or, or swim a, a, a big ocean sometimes to find enough strength within us to love our neighbor as ourselves. But according to Scripture, according to Scripture, I believe it is possible. According to Scripture, I believe God will give us strength enough to do that, right? He'll give us enough strength that we can love our neighbor as ourself. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to thank you. You've allowed us to look at your word. It's a tough word, but it's a good word. And I thank you for giving that to us in Scripture that we, could, we can grow. I realize, God, that there's times and things that maybe happened in, has happened in our past that it's tough for us to maybe even love ourselves because of things that we've done. And probably even tougher to love our neighbor as ourself. I, I, I get it. But God, according to your word, you told us we could. And when we put our hope in you, we put our trust in you, we put our faith upon you, again, we lay our life on the table. We are an open book. We're a blank page that we want you to fill. Have we always done things right? No. Have we always done things appropriately? Probably not. Have we always done things with good, with good intentions? Probably not. But God, I'm asking you for every one of us tonight that you would create within us today and throughout this 2016 term God, that we can begin loving and showing love like no other. Let us love one another. Let us love one another. Let us lock arms with one another. Let us care for one another, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to ask you to stand. This is the way I want to close tonight. I don't want any music, but I, I think most of you will remember this old little song. And uh, I'd like for you, if you're standing beside somebody, I want you just to, 
uh, just to come in here right quick, Karen. Uh, I want you to just lock, lock elbows like, like this. Just put, just put your arms together like this. We want, we want to sing. You can go back there, I guess, since you don't want to lock arms with me. But anyway. <laughs> and, and sing this little song when it says, You're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is a love, we will stand. You're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're standing side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. One more time. Oh, you're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're stacking, walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. As long as there is love, we will stand. Now, some of y'all had partners that you stand beside that didn't sing, so I'm not sure it's going to work for you. So you may have to pray for them. You may have to go home, lift them up in prayer. Let the Spirit of God, let the emotions, let the emotions take over. You know, start singing unto the Lord. Sing a new song unto the Lord. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Tuesday night. Those of you that's able to make it, Tuesday night at 630. And then Wednesday night we'll have our regular normal service here as well. God bless you.